Glad to see you this morning, family. If you're joining us online because you couldn't be here, we are welcoming you, whether you're in the Kimberleys or if you're in Canada or if you're on the Nullarbor plane, we're sending you our love today and just know that uh, you are part of our family. God bless you. We're praying for you. Thanks for joining us together today. Today, we're going to conclude our series uh, on the supremacy of relationships. But before I do that, can I just add this thought? Um, Luca, I'm so moved and blessed by your communion message and what it means. See, we would understand if, a, if someone said, let's go back there and get revenge. We'd understand that. That's, that's human. What's not human is the desire to go back and, and uh, forgive, declare forgiveness upon someone who's so grievously uh, wounded or offended or you know, traumatized your family and your heritage. And that is uniquely Christian. That's, that's not a, a message you'll find in other religions. That's uniquely Christ. And he's the one that empowers us to live lives that are bigger and far more beautiful than our own natural tendencies. Can I get a witness uh, here this morning? So, Luca, thank you. And don't ever be afraid of the emotions because I need a brother who cries with me. Amen. Amen. Uh, Father, we God, we just thank you that your word is eternal. It's forever settled in heaven. Uh, it's not getting updated anytime soon. Uh, it's already established, and we're just so grateful for that. It's full of wisdom and life and help for us. And so today we posture our heart like a disciple in a ready position to catch and receive what you've got for us. Because I know that transformation of truth is like light entering a dark room. It just illuminates the space and gives us clarity, insight, and understanding. So thank you for helping us with one of the most difficult challenges in life. And we ask you to give us grace. And everyone who agreed with that said, Amen. Amen. Well, as I said, we're going to conclude today our series on uh, the supremacy of relationships because everything, the title of this message is called Everything Flows Through Relationships. There's a, um, uh, an English word that we're probably not real familiar with. The word is gregarious. And uh, I've got a definition of it on the screen for us right now. It literally means that uh, we are fond of the company of other people. It means that we live in flocks or herds like animals, but we're not animals, are we? Uh, we, if you're talking about botany, it talks about how it grows in open clusters or colony, not all matted together, not all squashed in on top of each other, and it pertains to a flock or a, cloud. We, a crowd. We are, by nature, by design, by, by God's purpose, we are gregarious. Humans tend to be people who, who want and need to be with other people. In fact, if you ever see a person who's alone, guess what? That's terminal. That's terminal, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Isolation is not God's plan. Um, being solitary at times is necessity. Can I get a witness? We need to withdraw from the pressures of life and the, and the pressures of, of people and just be alone. That's good. That's healthy. That's normal. But being an isolationist where you, where you seek that exclusively and don't want to be in the company of others, that's an indication of a, of a challenge that you've got. Number one, point number one, God designed us. Point number one, God designed us with a desire and a need for relationship. Relationship is, is, is key. It's critical. J just think about this. If you didn't have relationship, guess what? The human race would be extinct within a generation. Am I right? Yeah. Fundamentally, at a very, very basic biological kind of realm, we need each other. Everyone's got a mother, said. Yeah. All those that don't have a mother, said. Crickets, right? Quiet. We need each other, right? We need each other. God designed it like that. He never said um, that we were supposed to be alone. In fact, He said it's, it's not good 
It's not good that we are alone. And there's no uglier word in the English language than that word loneliness. And God wants you to know that he puts lonely people into families. It doesn't matter if you're Greek or Turkey, if you're Spanish, if you're Albanian, if you're Fijian, or if you're Indian, or if you're both. <laughs> Even if you're old stock standard white Anglo-Saxon Aussie. <laughs> if you don't know where you're from and want to go back there. We all need each other. It's got nothing to do with the pigment of our skin, nothing to do with the accent, not how high we are, how fat we are, how short or even how bald we are. It's not about how good looking we are or how, how, how photogenic we are not. We all need each other. And that's the great message of the Bible, that God wants us to be together. It's not good for us to be alone. You know, Abraham Lincoln made this famous statement. He said, I don't like that man. I should get to know him better. That's wisdom right there, isn't it? That's wisdom right there. So when you get to know somebody, some of your preconceptions get the chance to get broken down. Not always, but often is the case that we've got stereotypes in our, in our mind and in our heart, and God wants us to get through that. Number one, God designed us with a desire and a need for relationship. You know, there was this one time where Jesus entered into an environment where a guy was being troubled seriously by evil spirits. Tormented was the word the Bible used. And, and, and Jesus came into that situation, began to speak the situation. And the voice said, leave us alone. Anytime you see someone who responds, sometimes a teenager says this, leave me. You never said it, right? You never said it, Holly. I never said it, never did that. But you hear this come out and it's not, it's not healthy. It's trouble. It's a warning. Leave me alone. What's wrong? Nothing. That doesn't mean nothing. Being translated, that means everything's wrong or the world stinks, right? We need each other. Just reach out and touch someone and say, I'm glad you sat next to me today. Do you know that we live in a society in Australia that one third of our homes has only got one person in them? Sometimes the only meaningful human touch a person has is when they get into an environment like this. So let's make sure that we validate, encourage and cheer people on because that's what Father wants us to do with each other. He's got this random and wild idea. He says, I want you to love one another like I have loved you. Now, that's the challenge right there, yeah? If you just said love one another, well, that'd be easy. But then he qualifies and says, this is the kind of love I want you to have. This is what's going to make the Christian world, the Christian community, the Christian kingdom different to all other kingdoms. This will be the mark. That's how they'll know you belong to me if you love one another. God designed us and we need relationship. Number two, some of life's deepest pain and greatest costs are through broken relationships. Can I, can I, I don't mean to touch your pain today, but there's probably nobody in this room, and certainly nobody um, that's going to watch this broadcast that has not been deeply and personally touched through broken relationships. Yeah? They say that love is grand, divorce is a hundred grand. Unless, of course, your name's Tiger Woods, and then it's more like a hundred million, right? But with that one sentence, 
with that one sentence, God showed me the power of what good partnership might look like. Imagine what one person on a wage can do to invest. That's pretty good. But what can two people do? When a husband and wife join together and partner together to build a great family, to build a great asset in their home, to leave a legacy for generations. But what happens when a family partners together and you've got more than one couple? What happens when a group of people partner together to achieve something? That idea right there unlocked incredible wealth in my life and in our life. Just by working collaboratively, cooperatively with others, God brought tremendous blessing into my life. The divorce, this is 2014 statistic um, from an ABC, from a news.com um, um, article I, that I, I read and recorded for um, 2014. The Australian economy is impacted by $14 billion a year. That was eight years ago. Do you think it's gone up or down since then? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. Back then, it was almost 50,000 marriages ended in divorce every year. Do you think those numbers have gone up or down? Now, that are only marriages. Not about those people who've lived in a partnership arrangement and then split up. That's not counted in this statistic. Can you imagine the heartbreak? I mean, no one stands hit this altar in a white dress and a fancy suit and goes, I can't wait for the day till I hate your guts. No one comes here like that. We come with high hopes and beautiful dreams, don't we? Don't we? The cost of a failed relationship, and you're sitting here today, most of you are going, I, I, I know, I've been touched by the pain of that. I've been touched by the pain of that. Come on, when the statistics of divorce are just as high in the church as they are in the world, something's not right. Destiny, something's not right if we can't make this work. See, this thing called marriage is the only part of Eden we still got left apart from our relationship with God. And so no wonder the enemy hates it. He hates marriage because it reminds him of a time where there was unfiltered access between father and his children. You want to know why your, your marriage is a struggle? It's because he hates your marriage. He hates the idea of your family. He loves nothing more than to see people fighting and hurting each other. That's why relationships are supreme. That's why Father sent his son Jesus to build us back to himself and then so that we would learn to relate with each other. The cross is a beautiful blend of a perpendicular relationship. Get that right with God. Get love flowing down into your heart from above. And guess what? it becomes just that little bit easier. Someone help me preach this message. Without touching anyone, just reach out your arms. Without, without touching anyone, just reach out your arms. Someone help me preach this message today. That's the loving, reaching out to others. That's what the gospel of Jesus, that's what the cross is speaking to us about. Number two, some of life's deepest pains and greatest cross of, costs of broken relationship. Number three, there's incalculable joy and reward. Number three, in successful relationships. Don't you love it when it works well? When it doesn't work well, it's purgatory. But when it does work well, marriage is paradise. Marriage is Eden. It's beautiful and it's wonderful. And I'm still here to proclaim, Christian pastors are still there to say this, so I'm going to keep preaching it. I love what it says in Ecclesiastes. It says two are better than one. Someone say two. Because two sugars are better than one, right? Two scoops of ice cream are better than one, right? Two jumps on the trampoline are better than one jump on the trampoline, am I right? Two are better than one because they have a good reward. Someone say reward. 
There's reward in unity. There's a reward in partnership. There's a reward for your labor. For if one falls, ever had a fall? I don't know how many times my sweetheart has tapped me on the shoulder and said, I believe in you. Get up, son. Come on, sweetheart. We can face this together again. Just a little secret. I've picked her up a couple of times myself. Most of them are Melvin Star, but, but later. <laughs> but every now and again, fellas, just every now and again, that little girl needs me in her corner. And don't I feel like a stud muffin then? Hey, the champion who's been released from his cage to tear down the evil one, right? And that's what God puts us together to encourage each other with and for. Some of you look at me like you've got no idea what I'm talking about. Why to the person who's alone when he falls? For he's got no one to help him up. But if two lie down together, we'll keep it G. If two lie down together, they can get warm even in Atherton. And if one is overpowered quickly, two can rise up and defeat them. But then the scriptures says, but a threefold cord, when you bring Jesus into your relationships and you bring Jesus and you bind that, his wisdom and his word and his will into your life, man, that's powerful. That's absolutely powerful. Can I get a, can I get a cheer from some happy Christian here today? Number four, let's just talk briefly about the way relationships work, the anatomy. Let's dissect this. How relationships are formed, you might want to write this down, by a cause, a cause brings people together. A cause brings people. You have neighbors that are fighting like cats and dogs, but when a flood comes, they're out there on the street, shoulder to shoulder, filling up sandbags with a shovel. I'll even help you fill up yours. And you'll help me fill up mine. Why? Because a greater problem than our pettiness, right, has taken a cause, unites people. There's no greater cause on the planet than the cause of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Amen. A crisis brings people together and a commonality brings people together. You might not like rugby league, but if you love soccer, if you love English premiership shocker, the, shocker, it's a shocker. If you're a Manchester United follower, uh, it's definitely a shocker. But if you're a Liverpool supporter, there we go, see? There's one in every room. Delusion strikes again. The, the, um, the reality is I like, I like, do you know why I like Liverpool? I like Liverpool because of, the, of their song. The culture in this church is appalling, absolutely appalling. Joel, don't you know the song? You'll never walk alone. <laughs> it's maintained, relationships are maintained by care, commitment, and communication. Write it down. Communication is the maintenance factor of all human relationships. And Sharon and I have arguments from time to time, and usually it's about I don't know, Wayne. It's like I think she's in my head. But apparently she claims that she's not. She says, she says, Val, she says that she doesn't read my mind. But I don't believe that to be true. I, th I think she's just got it. Her world revolves, Patrick, her world revolves around a calendar and mine revolves around impulse. Just let's do that now. Let's just go and do that. It's like, but it's not on the calendar. If we can put it on the calendar, then it can be spontaneous. That's, the, that's how it goes. Communicate, communicate, communicate. 
There's some women here with sore elbows this morning going, you getting this, baby, you getting this, you hearing this, you get this loud and good to hear the preacher today. Someone's saying amen. Notice how Wayne sits on the other side of his daughter and just puts Holly between him and, his, and, and, and a spare chair. I mean, this guy, he, he's been in church before this. He knows how the game is played. Here we go. She's definitely reading your mind. You are an open book, my friend. Number, number five. Number five. Come on, let's get this message printed. Number five, conflict happens. Yeah, is that true? Anybody here not had conflict in relationship? You're too young. Uh, conflict happens in relationship. Wherever there are people, there are problems. Uh, the Bible says that where there's oxen in the stall, there's poo. That's actually a synonym. It's actually a, a metaphor. It's actually trying to tell us that, uh, that that's people. People are like that. You know, it's messy. It's poopy. See, that is great English right there, Sharon, isn't it? Yeah. I can't spell it, but I know what it means. I smell it all the time, right? You just get around people's lives and it stinks. You go, I don't want to be in that mess there. But in that kind of mess, the father laid his son Jesus in the messiness of humanity, in the messiness of a, of a, of a, of a, of a stall, an animal stall, a stable. That's where Jesus is revealed to us. He comes into the most humane, actually the most unpleasing environments and Jesus is pleased to be found there. But look what it says in the scripture it says if your brother sins against you, his this is the this is the conflict resolution model of Christ. I'm going to give it to you in 73 points. You ready? All right, you're a hard negotiator. We'll do it in 15. Is that okay? You still want more. Let's get it down to 6. Here we go. Here we go. Number 1, watch what it says and write it down. It says go to them in person. Go to them in person. Don't send an email. Don't put it on Facebook. Don't tell your prayer partner. Don't call the pastor at 2.30 a.m. But if you want Joel's number, I'll give it to you later. <laughs> go to them. How do you solve problems between people? You go. You don't wait for them to come to you. Ouch. Ouch. Well, when they get around to saying sorry. Here's two little words. Grow up. Follow the counsel of Christ. Follow the wisdom of God's Word. Go to them. Well, if they're going to behave like that, I don't want anything to do. I'm going to cancel them. Really? That's what value you place on humanity? Cancel them? Really? That's your understanding of Jesus and His kingdom? Really? That's what being a disciple of Christ looks like in your skin? Really? I'm being a little confronting today, aren't I? Someone say, ouch. Look, it says, go to them. Go to, that's point number one. Point number two, talk to them specifically about the problem. Oh, yeah, I went and saw them. Did you talk about the problem? Did you? And the fact, the Bible makes it, can we just go back a slide, please? Can we just go back? It says, talk to them about their fault. See, it doesn't gloss over it. It, doesn't gloss, it says, talk to them about what went wrong. Address the issue. Talk about the elephant in the room. Who wants a healthy relationship? Who knows it's going to be costly and expensive and difficult and hard and emotionally taxing and draining? Who's ready for, who's ready for hardcore discipleship here today? Two hands. Great. Let's go on. Number two, go to that person in private and speak specifically about the issue. Then, if that doesn't work, everyone say then. Then, 
If that doesn't work, first round didn't work. What's the strategy for point two? We take it up a notch and we don't go alone. Don't take people who carry baseball bats. Their only job is to witness. Their job is not to mediate or to start a fight or to break up a fight. They're just going to witness what happens, right? They're going to observe Christ in action in your skin. It's going to be funny. It's going to be scary. It's going to, why do we go back a second time? Well, I gave them one chance, Pastor, and that's enough, isn't it? Uh, no. I'm glad you asked that question. No, it's not. We value people so much. We value, write it down, we value relationships so much. We inconvenience a couple other guys so that we can say, hey, relationship means so much to God and it means so much to me. I, I want to get this sorted out. But, well, just live with a broken relationship, buddy. What's wrong with you? I'm doing it. It's fine. And little pieces of ourselves are falling off all the time. And we are not that complete body that Jesus wants us to be. Our marriages are weaker. Our friendship circle doesn't get larger. Just because they're friends on Facebook doesn't mean they're friends. Come on, let's just be a little bit real here. Number three, go back to them with company. Number four, if, someone say if. If they don't listen. Not, not they listen and you resolve it and then you can tell everyone else. No, no, if they refuse, if they say, no deal, Eddie. They refuse, then Involve the church. I'm waiting for someone to put their hand up during my service and say, Pastor, I've done all this and they won't listen and they're sitting in the third row. Could you imagine the chaos a church like ours would have if people tried to do that? They're sitting over there, Pastor. I just thought we, the whole church should know about it today. Today seems like a good day. You're talking about relationships. I've got a real issue and he's not pointing. I'm not pointing the name, but he's wearing a shirt and that's how you'll know it's him. Could you imagine how that would be a fracas in here? Yeah. About then we wouldn't be taking up offerings, we'd be giving out boxing gloves. Right? But how was the last time we said, you know what, what's more important than a good preaching or great worship service or a wonderful communion message that stirs our heart? Come on, somebody, somebody today catch this. I'd rather interrupt the entire church service so that one relationship could be restored. Doesn't that sound like a shepherd leaving 99 to go and find one? Doesn't that sound like a woman who says, there's a coin here somewhere, something of valuable is here. It's, it's in the house somewhere. It, it, it's got to be. It'll turn up one day. No, no, we're going to look and look and scourge and scour. And we're going to scrub. We're going to dust. We're going to find that thing because it's valuable. Does it sound like that? When was the last time you were in a church service and someone said, uh, Pastor, before we go on, I, I've got to get something off my chest. I've got, I've got to get this sorted out. Can we just pause for a minute? Uh, look, to be fair, I'll invite you to go into the reception lounge and sort your mess out there. But when was the last time we valued relationship and restoration more than looking like nice Christians? That's hard, isn't it? That's heavy. Glad I came today. Wouldn't I miss this one? Uh, then, then Jesus says this. He says, um, if they don't still listen to the whole church, guess what? Treat them like tax collectors. Well, how do you treat tax collectors? Well, well, see, that's a really good question, isn't it? It's a trick question, Hazel. Get ready. It's a trick question, right? It's obviously a trick question because it wouldn't be on the screen if it wasn't a trick question, right? So, so how do we treat tax collectors? 
Well, it depends who you are. Because if you're a Jew in first century Israel, there's a certain way you treat tax collectors. But if you're a Jesus, <laughs> I was looking forward to coals on head. That's what I was looking for, Jesus. But you know what that actually was? You know what coals on head actually was? Your fire's gone out. Let me give you some of my coals to put on a little thing that you're carrying on your head so you can go back and start your fire. It's a kindness. And we always thought it was like, God's going to get them. It's judgment. It's fire on their head. Because we just don't understand, the, we don't understand the culture and the context. How do we treat tax collectors? Like people we'd like to have friendship with. Like people would like to sit at their table, like, 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 I don't know, like you might treat Zacchaeus. Just a thought. But, but I, I thought Jesus was, no, that's how supreme value God places on relationship. Who, who's catching this today? Who's taking away something from this? Is this helpful for anybody? Number five, conflict happens. Uh, number six, uh, people matter. People matter. You've never looked into the eyes of somebody who doesn't desperately matter to God. And if they desperately matter to God, then they must, they must desperately matter to us. Yeah? Look, look again, the scripture says, God said in the beginning, see, so many people are arguing about, is it six literal days of creation or is it, are they epochs? Are they seasons? Are they, and, and they miss so much of the truth because they're arguing about what they don't understand. And they, and they, but look what it says. God said in the beginning, I'm going to make man in my image. See, humanity, even though it's fallen, still has that spark, still has that representation, still depicts God. And when you mistreat another human being, do you know what you're saying to God? That's what I think of you. That's what I think of you. You see, the scandal, the scandal of the gospel message is this, that God puts a value on humanity. He weighs humanity on the scale, the divine and the human, the perfection and the sinfulness, the glory and the authority and the power and the dominion and the frailty, the brokenness, the ugliness and the wickedness of humanity. God says, let's weigh those two together. And this is the scandal of grace, that God says people are worth the price of God. I don't know if you've ever caught grace that quickly or that hard. I don't know if you've ever caught a pitch that fast. But if you can understand that God push, places supreme value on humanity. Some of you are sitting here going, David, I don't think I matter much. I don't think I'm worth anything. If you hold that emblem in your hand and you're really mindful of what that represents, you'll know what you're worth. You're worth the life and death and pain and suffering of Jesus Christ because he'd rather go to hell for you than to go to heaven without you. And I love that about my Savior. I love that about my Jesus. I love that he showed me how to treat other people who I don't think are very worthwhile. See, Jesus doesn't cancel anybody. Whosoever will may come to Jesus. It doesn't matter about your past or the sin of your, of, of your choosing. If you come to Jesus, he's got wisdom and life and forgiveness and health and help for every single human being. I like what it says here in John 3.16. I don't know if you've ever read it. There's a little verse in the middle of John. Well, started John. Some, some people you know, kicked around for a while. But listen to it again. It says that God loved the world so much that he gave. 
I had a few sons laying around. I left. I let the one I didn't like out to go and do that job. No, no, no. I gave my best. Why? Why? Because that's the value that God places on human beings, on us. People matter. Atherton matters to God. Australia matters to God. This moment in our world history matters to God. This is the heart of God for people. Jesus didn't come, verse 17, I didn't come to condemn the world, to get even with you. No, 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 I came to make it right, to restore relationship. Yeah, listen to it. That the world, how many? All of us. All of us need him. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes. Maybe you're watching this broadcast and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Today is a day for you to make a decision for Jesus. Why would you refuse a love like that? How could you turn your heart cold towards a love that fierce? I'm going to love you and I'm going to restore you. I'm going to reconcile you to the Father. I'm going to produce something in you of eternal value and eternal worth. Who would say no to a love like that? God did not send His Son to the world to condemn the world, to point out its faults and its failings and its flaws, but that through Him the world might be saved. Well, I don't need saving. Then to you the death of Jesus Christ is meaningless. It's foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. It's beauty. It's someone showing the love they have for us. Why don't you bow your head for a moment? Just close your eyes. There's a moment in time right now, if you've never, ever made a decision for Jesus, maybe you've been to church, but you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ, to say, Jesus, I need your help. I want you to come into my life. I'm going to invite you in today. Today's my day to say yes to Jesus. If you've never done that before, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus Christ. If you've coldened heart and gotten away from God, you once were on fire for God, but you've gotten away from God. Stuff in life has just distracted you and pushed you aside. And the love that you have for Christ has grown dim and cold. I want to pray for you this morning. Does somebody here say, David, I'm praying that prayer today. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the amazing love of Jesus. How he shows us the heart of our Father. I'm so grateful that you have not just given something to us in a book, but you've placed something of yourself by the person of Holy Spirit within us, that we might be those sent ones, Lord, of your kingdom into this age to shine and reveal the tremendous love, grace, and compassion of Jesus Christ, the love eternal unconditional of our Heavenly Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you're empowering this church to rise and shine and be like we've never been before to the glory of God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Family, the Lord bless you. Love to invite you to join us for a tea, coffee uh, in our cafe. And uh, just go in peace. Have a wonderful weekend. Hang out with some people. Go in God's love. Be blessed and be a blessing to others in Jesus' name.